and welcome to Shop Talk, where we talk all things Scottsdale PD. You're in for a real treat today as we're talking about one of everyone's favorite topics, dogs. Here are your hosts, Chief Jeff Walther and Commander Chris Coffey. Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Shop Talk with Chief Jeff Walther. Excited to be with you again this month. Uh, a lot of great stuff going on since we uh, we were with you last month. Uh, I have Commander Chris Coffey as my trusty sidekick. I uh, got a great show for you today. Uh, I'm gonna I'll get into a kind of I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, some social media stuff here in a minute. And uh, I get it, been getting a lot of questions about uh, Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, and the mass shooting that went on there. So I'm gonna talk briefly about those two before we get with our great guest, uh, Dr. Wayne Swoboda, uh, who is our uh, our vet for all of our canines, and he's got a lot of great information for us. And, and has been for about, I think, going on 30? About 30 years. 30 yeah. years. 30, wow. 30 yeah. years. Yeah. So, uh, and, and another reason we have Chris on today is, uh, and Chris was a canine handler and sergeant of the canine unit many moons ago. Many moons ago. Before so. rising through the ranks and, right. and to his exalted level now, the executive, the executive <laughs> like staff. That. Yeah, exalted. exalted. I like that. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that here momentarily. And uh, like I said, Chris has some great connectivity with the doc and, and uh, we got a lot of good questions. Great so, questions. So let me talk about a couple uh, issues before we get rolling into that. I know that our listeners are used to the number of questions that come in or sending questions in that I answer about uh, law enforcement, about Scottsdale PD, about our mission, about the things that we do, and uh, get a lot of photo radar questions, which uh, which I always, <laughs> always love. Uh, but there are two, I think, two pressing issues that I wanted to talk about just very briefly before we get into our, our guest today. Uh, the first is social media. And, uh, you know, social media, however you look at it, is either uh, an incredible, uh, for some will look at it as an incredible tool of communication and expression. Others, uh, like me on occasion, will look at uh, social media and say it is the bane of our existence and really causing, causing some division between people. And so, so regardless of whether that you, how you look at it, and I, I welcome all opinions on that, um, we're starting to see some things here in the police department that, um, that are very concerning. And I'll share with you just two brief stories. Actually, I'll share with you three brief stories and how uh, one that how we can positively impact this. One is that I heard from some of our council members about a posting on Nextdoor related to a story that somebody had posted that said that, uh, you know, kind of be careful out there. There was a, a an attempted carjacking between the Yopaldi's Pizzeria and the Fry's Food Store at 90th Street in Via Linda that involved... Uh, three suspects, and they describe the suspect as three migrant or Mexican teens from the migrant migrant transition facility at Scottsdale Road in Shea, and that during this attempted carjacking of a 60-year-old man, uh, the 60-year-old man was stabbed uh, with a box cutter a couple times, and he wound up defending himself and knocking out the the uh, suspect. Uh, that suspect was uh, ultimately taken into, uh, allegedly in the story, taken into custody by us, and then and then turned over to ICE. The other two teens fled, and then the the uh, the, the victim was uh, was treated for those stab wounds. That never happened, folks. Uh, somebody made that up on social media. Uh, that crime did not occur in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we investigated that uh, that report fully. We never got a call on that. We never got any information on that. Uh, that call was made up. Um, we were able to find somebody who posted that, and uh, they were less than cooperative with us in, uh, in wanting to provide us who uh, she was talking about. And so uh, that case fell by the wayside. I had my violent crimes unit do some uh, exhaustive, my intelligence unit do some exhaustive research, in it, and, and I'm happy to tell you that that did not happen. 
And so um, our assumption, because we can only assume uh, based on the information uh, that we had and provided by the person who made the post, that uh, it was there to sow the seeds of discontent uh, amongst our populace related, specifically in this case, to um, Mexican migrant teens uh, at, the Mex- at the transition facility, which, by the way, uh, closed to mi- as a migrant transition facility at the end of December last year, so co- some time ago before it quickly transitioned to a, an Afghan refugee facility, uh, which also then closed and, and moved some of those refugees in, in April. So uh, I wanted to share that story with you, and I'll, I'll kind of I'll wrap it up uh, in a second with, with that and some of my thoughts on that. The second one was, uh, was an alleged traffic stop that, that uh, t- uh, allegedly took place with my officers in an African-American uh, young man uh, that uh, didn't sound good when I heard about it from, from a community source that said, hey, this is uh, circulating social media. And uh, uh, allegedly somebody who, took, not the young man himself, but somebody secondhand put the information out uh, that said uh, that this person was stopped because of the color of their skin, uh, detained for a period of time, uh, asked some inappropriate questions, and, uh, and, and then sent on their way for doing four, four miles an hour over the posted speed limit. Obviously, it garnered some, some uh, social media attention with a lot of negative comments toward my officers and toward the police department. I immediately put uh, internal affairs uh, on the case to see uh, you know, what, what the issue was. And uh, my, my goal is always to be extremely, extremely transparent. And if, if we do wrong, um, I'm all over it. My folks are all over it. And so we looked into that. Uh, we, we tried to reach out to this uh, young person, and uh, that person refused to talk to us. And ultimately what we found out, you got to remember, in, in today's technological society, um, all my Police vehicles are GPSed. Uh, I have on body cameras. Uh, you know, you have to call in your traffic stops. My, my dispatchers know where you are and what you're doing uh, based on that technology. And uh, what we learned very quickly was that, too, like the previous story, never happened. We were unable to confirm there was no traffic stops uh, in, that, in the area that was claimed. Uh, we reviewed on-body camera footage. We looked at GPS data. And, uh, and, and then we attempted to contact uh, the person who alleged to another person. Now, mind you, he did nothing wrong. He, he, didn't, he didn't do this on social media. Somebody else did. And so we, were, uh, we, were, uh, we looked at that at the end of the day and said, you know, this, this didn't happen. For one reason or another, uh, it, it, but it garnered some social media attention. The third uh, example that I'll give you is uh, somebody reached out to me because a social media post uh, about uh, a cat hit on the freeway on the 101 and that uh, some, a lot of people pulled over and were able to pull this cat out of the roadway. He was still alive. My officers allegedly responded and were, were very um, unprofessional, told that the people who were upset that the cat was suffering, that they could take it to the side of the road and shoot it. Uh, and so, mind you, I, uh, I immediately got onto that because this part of the freeway is not Scottsdale PD jurisdiction. And so uh, had been Affairs look into this and ultimately found out that it was not Scottsdale PD. It was another police department that that uh, responded to that to that call, and and we had nothing to do with that. Now, unlike the other two posts, the poster when we replied back to them and internal affairs got with them actually did did us a solid. They got on there, they posted, they said this was not Scottsdale PD. My apologies for calling them into question. So here's the notion that I want to talk about. It's it just kind of to wrap up is that. 
fake news, and, and a lot of this is fake news, and I hate to use that, that term has gotten so overused, but fake news has real-world consequences for us. And so um, we pride ourselves on a great relationship with our community. Uh, I pride myself uh, and organizationally as the chief of police on, on a high level of transparency. And so when we hear things like that, we're always going to look into those things. So um, just as a, a reminder that uh, if, if you hear something like that and there's something negative uh, that you're hearing about about the Scottsdale Police Department or any other entity for that matter, friends, family, uh, you, you know, your, your, uh, the threads that you're on, I would only ask that you, you call us. Uh, and unfortunately, I've gotten some calls and some emails of, hey, I heard this happened, and we, we get to the bottom of it and we resolve it. And if we've done wrong, we've done wrong, and I deal with that. Uh, but in these instances, um, we didn't do wrong or the crimes didn't happen. And so, uh, but people start to believe that and they, 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 they begin to perpetuate that story, that idea, that myth out there and that has consequences, oftentimes has negative consequences for my officers. So um, just, a, just a point of discussion, uh, just to you know, let us know if you hear, are hearing things uh, and, and please do so. If you hear something that's real negative about us, uh, let me know. Call us, uh, call our non-emergency number, 480-312-5000. Has to, has to be transferred to Internal Affairs. And, uh, and we're going to get to the bottom of it um, as opposed to uh, trying to, to, to resolve the issue afterwards. Because once the story is out, people are going to believe what they're going to believe, and, and they don't care what the truth is. So the second thing before we get to uh, Dr. Swoboda is, is a lot of discussion over the last uh, month or two about Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, the report came out uh, uh, last week, about 70-plus page report came out last week related to the response to Uvalde. And over the last week, um, I've had a, had a great opportunity on our, my relationship with uh, Dr. Scott Menzel, the Scottsdale Unified School District, to participate in their um, their Administrators Academy last week, and then yesterday I w- had an opportunity to speak at both their back to school events uh, uh, with all of their teachers, their you know their transportation folks, their administrators, <clears throat> and I got to speak at all three of those events, uh, which was terrific about Uvalde, about the report, and about specifically about Scottsdale PD's response to active shooter or what we call active killer events. And I just want to share with our listening community that, you know, if you look at the report or you hear about the report, 376 individual uh, officers, state, local, federal, responded to Robb Elementary School, yet it took uh, over 70 minutes for them to to enter the classroom. And so we could, I I can't give you the reasoning behind that. I wasn't on scene. I wasn't the on-scene commander, but that typically is where the bottleneck starts is is with on-scene command and decisions made with on-scene commanders. So the on-scene, the decisions from the on-scene commanders, um, you know, are, are definitely in question. Uh, they made decisions more in style with uh, 23 years ago and the tactics of 23 years ago around the time of Columbine High School and the shooting that took place there uh, as well, which was uh, to contain a shooter, surround it, and then call for a tactical team. That is old doctrine here in Scottsdale and, and certainly here in Arizona and largely around the country. And so how we train our folks, and again, I shared with SUSD, uh, this week and last week is that uh, although 376 officers responded to that incident at Robb Elementary School, the true number is what it takes is one. And that's what we train our folks is that the first officer on scene uh, immediately moves to the stimulus. And the stimulus in this case is gunfire. So that officer is not going to wait. If you wait, here's the issue is that uh, in an active killer scenario, one person is shot every 19 seconds and one person is killed every 48 seconds. 
So if uh, Chris Coffey and I are the responding officers and I get there first and Chris gets on the radio and says, I'll be there in 60 seconds. I don't want to test your math, Chris, but how many, how many, how many people are, if I wait for Chris in that 60 seconds, how many people are, are shot during that time period? Three. Yeah, three. Uh, it's, yeah, you're right. It's too many. Uh, and, uh, and one person is killed during that time frame. So our officers understand and are trained that as soon as you get there, um, hey, it's great if you have a partner, but if you don't move to the stimulus right now, it's your job to interrupt the thought process and the killing that's going on by getting that shooter to focus on the police. You know, the, you know, you know, Chris, the person with body armor and weapon with extra ammunition. And so, so that's what I shared with SCOSD. That's what I'm sharing with the community and the many speeches that I give and conversations that I have in the community. Um, that's how we're trained. That's our expectation uh, to, to move in when somebody is committing acts of violence um, against unarmed children or unarmed citizens and, or unarmed businesses. Um, we're getting ready to do an active shooter training uh, scenario uh, with Cake, Cake Fight Club. And yeah, that, that's next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. You know, because uh, like Pulse Nightclub in Orlando, uh, we have a very large and robust uh, nightlife in Scottsdale. Many, 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 many clubs in Scottsdale. And so we're working on active shooter scenarios uh, in there with their staff uh, in schools and the school districts. And so um, just to let the community know we're, we're on top of this. We spend a lot of time uh, working on these things and, and uh, a lot of discussion about uh, the lack of having a key to get into the classroom in Robb Elementary. And so we, we're a bit uh, uh, farther beyond that. Uh, we carry mechanical breaching uh, equipment in all of our supervisors' vehicles. And then we're also moving into an explosive breaching program or, or shotgun breaching program in, in our patrol uh, our patrol division, so um, so that we doors like that wouldn't impede us from getting in. So, just want to let the community know. I know it's a it's a it's a te- it can be a taboo topic. People are very upsetting, especially when it involves our young people and and 19 students and two teachers killed in in Uvalde. Um, and and it, we're trained and ready to go in a different way than I think that they were or they chose not to employ. And so, um, sad, but that's uh, that's the world we live in today. It is sad, but uh, I hope our community knows that uh, we do train. We do train this a lot. We do a lot of reality-based training, and and, uh, shout-out to uh, Riot Group for uh, helping us set this up for Wednesday because they will also train staff in tourniquet training and, and, you know, run, hide, fight. Yeah. Thanks, Chief, for sharing that important message about social media posts and the issues that could arise when they are untrue or fabricated. If you hear or see something concerning or question its validity, never hesitate to reach out to us on our socials or call our non-emergency number at 480-312-5000. Now on to our guest for episode 12. He grew up in a small town of Wahoo, Nebraska. His background in the medical science field and great love of animals influenced his decision to pursue a career as a veterinarian. He received his Doctor of Veterinary Medicine in 1986 from Kansas State University. He enjoys both small animal and exotic pets medicine and surgery and has a special interest in police canines. He provides veterinary medical care for approximately 10 Valley law enforcement canine units. He routinely conducts canine first aid seminars for police officers, EMTs, and first responders. In his spare time, yes, he finds some, he is an avid runner and has competed in over 100 races in the last 10 years. Please welcome Dr. Wayne Soboda to Shop Talk. Great topic with Dr. Soboda and, uh, and, and 
about canines and and uh, and taking care of animals and all that he's done for us. But uh, let's let's get into that, Chris. Why don't you uh, lead us off? I'm very excited to co-host this uh, with you again. My honor to to introduce uh, Dr. Wayne, as as I as I call him. I've known him for about uh, 15 years, and uh, so just excited to introduce him to uh, our our listeners. And uh, um, why don't you kind of Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got started with uh, police canines. I came into the Valley around uh, 1988. And uh, at that time, there was a Dr. Dean Rice, who actually was the veterinarian that was providing some medical education for the officers. Uh, up until that point, most of the time, it was just take them to your family vet. And these guys would look at these dogs and and not really know what was going on. And uh, I joined Mesa Veterinary Hospital at, uh, in 1988, and Dr. Ken Jeffrey, at the time, he was the uh, leader of that whole organization. He was, they, Scottsdale and Mesa PD decided to start their canine programs, and they chose that hospital because at that time, that was the only hospital in the Valley that was 24-7. Okay. So they had emergency backup and all things. Well, the interesting thing is that the dogs from back then into dogs that are today, much, much different. Right. And so his protocol, not my protocol, because again, I was just a grunt at that point <laughs> working, but uh, his protocol was the minute those dogs walked in, we knocked them out. We basically sedated wow. them and we do dental. So his, his protocol is you bring those dogs in every six months, we would sedate them, do on them and kind of do our exam. And to me, that was not the way to do it. Yeah. And so eventually I got uh, sent to one of the satellite clinics, and it was here in Scottsdale. And I was assigned primarily to Scottsdale PD. So I really have to thank Scottsdale PD for uh, creating where we're at as of today. Excellent. So um, I, I basically started to see more medical cases from the Scottsdale PD dogs, and it got to the point where you know, golly, uh, here's a dog with hypothyroidism. I need to get some blood tests in 30 days. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? Knock this dog out. And so the solution was, and, and really the nice thing with the officers is that they said, um, you know, hey, you'd like to come out and work out and see what we do uh, on training nights. That would be great. And it's like, that's the solution. Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually started working out on Wednesday nights with these guys. And uh, lo and behold, the dogs accepted me as as one of them so now we're training these dogs with uniform recognition so that you know if there's uh, officers from even different agencies and other things uh, these dogs are not going to bite the officers yeah. they're going to continue yeah. to stay on target well i recognize that way back in 88 yeah and so it really made it easier for me to work with these dogs and uh, also like i said the personality to dogs back there uh, back then was basically uh, let's get the meanest, baddest dog you could possibly find. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of officers got chewed up. It should be uh, for our listeners. Um, all of our dogs uh, come from Europe. They're titled dogs through the Royal K and PV training, and so we would go out to California. What's K and PV? That's uh, it's just K and PV doc. It's the Royal. We, we in we in law enforcement yeah, we love our our TLAs exactly. our three letter acronyms. This Alika, one's a this one yeah NPCA. this one's a four four letter acronyms. Yeah. It's yeah. just the Royal Dutch uh, titling. Yeah. Okay. So they're all okay. sporting dogs when they come from Europe. So we go out to California and uh, our vendor has 
you know, 20 dogs for uh, agencies to look at. We'll, we'll select one and bring them back. And first thing we do is drop them off at docks to see how their hips are, their teeth are, yeah. uh, if they have any other uh, issues. So I think, um, he, you know, he make, you make a great point about the, you know, it used to be dogs were mean. Like you were oh, going yeah. for like an aggressive dog, you know, yes. but today it's. it's the, the mentality different. back then was we need to have a very strong street dog. Yep. And, you know, risk management kind of learned that, you don't. I mean, right. basically, we would rather have a dog that wants to satisfy the handler, do what the handler wants to have done. So we've completely changed. We got dogs that are now, <laughs> I hate to say, almost like family pets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas the old mentality was, we're going to throw him in a cage. He's not going to have any pleasure except to go to work. Right. Um, you know, even the compulsion drive for these dogs used to be. <laughs> You know, I hate to say it, we used to nickname it Edison Medicine with shock collars and things like that. They're still used, I think, for mostly um, legality issues and things. But for training, it's really not. It's more of a positive yes. training. They want these dogs to not look at the handler as an adversary, right? but more as a um, complimentary mm -hmm. type of A true yeah. partner. True, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so they're, they're, when you come in and you're trying to take him off of the bite, he's going to say, he's not going to take this away from me. He's here to help me. And then I will release it because he's yeah. going to reward me positively. Having Doc come out to our trainings uh, really helped the partnership. And then uh, again, for uh, us, you know, if one of the dogs got injured during training, you know, I mean, we had the staff right there to, to help. So I remember one of my first trainings, uh, we were out at the corp yard one of my dogs stepped on a nail, went through his paw, and uh, you guys were there and, and uh, took charge and wrapped him up, and we continued training. So yeah, it's, it's been very helpful with the training, even with all the training scenarios we've been in, to understand how these dogs are actually used. Uh, you know, Most veterinarians would look at it like, well, how do you step on the nail? How would you let that happen? And right. it's like, well, you have to understand right. how these guys are deployed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's been very uh, valuable experience for me to – be with the officers and kind of go side by side with them during training. Uh, so I don't know how other veterinarians can actually provide really good service. I mean, even for a recovering dog from surgery, I know how these dogs are going to be used. And of course, the officer's first question is going to be, when can I start training with him again? And, right. and I know how it, the process goes. I also know the different things like, okay, obedience level versus right. uh, bite work versus detection. Uh, civil fines. I know all that stuff, and I can incorporate that into their recovery. So Mesa and Scottsdale were uh, the, the first two agencies that kind of went to you, and then it kind of grew from there, and uh, more and more Valley agencies then started coming to you. And then where did the medical kits come from? Because you, oh, you, you know, the, the interesting thing with those two agencies, we are now uh, assisting or uh, consultants for over 60 agencies wow so we uh, we had all in arizona or is that outside of arizona? outside also okay. uh, even federal like tsa uh so we we've really uh we, we've put our name out there so that if anybody ever has any questions any officer they can contact me i give out my personal cell phone number so these guys can call if there was a that's great an accident in uh, colorado one of those officers took one of my first aid classes could actually call me and say hey this is what the hospital is saying or the doctor is saying what does it really mean? Right. And I'll give them the exact answer. Or right. if I don't have the answer, I can I can kind of look it all up and eventually get back to them and say, here's what they're trying to accomplish with your dog. 
So it was really, I think, uh, a labor of love that uh, you got into working with the canines and then just evolved from there. I'm curious that you mentioned, Chris, uh, the canine first first aid handler kit or the canine handler first aid kit. I'm curious about that and that development and, and, uh, and how you got to that point. Well, there was a need. Basically, um, Scottsdale PD said, okay, we are having these kind of injuries and we need something to be able to repair the dogs or at least to stabilize them before we could transport them to, at that time, Mesa Veterinary Hospital. And so um, I started researching it out and, and uh, uh, asking questions, okay, this is what we need, what we don't need. There, there's lots of things that fall into this whole thing, and that is you, there's only so much real estate within a, a police vehicle. Right. So I, I can't include you know, the whole right. closet of my hospital in there. So I had to pick items that would actually work fairly well for them and something that was going to be used. There's also that one little thin note of um, these are officers, and we right. They're we, not professionals in, in, the, in right. the medical aspect of it. So I need to put stuff in that first aid kit that they can't screw up. Right. Because if they have any hesitation that they're going to treat their dog and, and injure it or overdose it or anything like that, they're going to hesitate, and I can't afford that. Right. So basically, everything in that first aid kit was kind of designed uh, similar to uh, one a a, a can trip everything's got to have three mm -hmm. purposes mm -hmm. number two it could be used on the officer let alone the dog right. so dual purpose yeah. uh, the quick clot you know if, if my dog gets hurt i can pack the wound if my officer or decoy or somebody else gets hurt they can utilize that same with the bandage material yeah. and other things uh, there are some items in there that uh, you're not going to use on a human like the apple morphine right uh, that stuff is designed for if the dogs go ahead and get uh, some kind of poison mm -hmm. uh, say somebody throws a meatball over the wall and they get it or they come in contact with something it, it serves a purpose there but it's also saved a lot of dogs yes uh, like for example um, they would go out to california for training at Adelhurst. yes and occasionally these dogs would chew up their leash yeah. and they swallow it and i get a phone call saying okay my dog ate a leash wow you're out there in another state with your dog and he's going to possibly have a foreign body unless we can get it out of his stomach in the kit, the first aid kit has apple morphine, and they can induce vomiting, get rid of all that stuff, and wow. save. I've done that. Yeah, that happened. It's awesome. Good. You know, I've, I've had officers call me on Thanksgiving. My dog just ate a beanie baby. That could cause an obstruction. Well, let's get it out. Apple morphine. Here we go. So, uh, yeah, the medical kit is is phenomenal, and and it really gives you a peace of mind in the training that you do and all the training classes that you've done. Uh, it's a peace of mind. So, you know, again, if one of our dogs ingests marijuana or, you know, another substance, then at least we can treat them to get them stable till we get them to you Correct. or an or emergency vet. So, you know, before Narcan was available in the spray and intranasal, right. uh, my kits had Narcan in it. Yep. Again, Narcan can be used on the dog, mm -hmm. can be used on the officer. And it's one of those situations that what's in that kit, they cannot screw up. They can't overdose their dog. And these products are very, very safe from a medical standpoint. So you started with uh, doing the medical kits, and I think, can do you know how many medical kits over the years you've you've done? I mean... Uh, we've done a little research on that, and uh, at, uh, we were up to well over 800 kits. 
Wow. Uh, since I started doing all this stuff and uh, understand that you can restock these things. So right. uh, one of our programs is even in the last five years, we've restocked uh, putting new medications that uh, ex- had expiration dates, uh, rebandaging material. We've, we've done over the last five years just uh, 153 of these things. So, uh, and still counting for this, this year. Wow. So it's, it's kind of a service that you, you don't need to keep buying a brand new kit, which puts a lot of expense on the departments. We can go in there, see what's expired, what's been used. You know, some, some officers will keep them in the back of their vehicles, which uh, we try to keep, tell them not to put the medications in. Yeah. But uh, uh, they can hit 120 degrees in those yes. vehicles. And so, yeah. But the, the kits are designed to be able to take that kind of abuse and uh, still be functional. So in, in the time that, you know, that, I mean, you've been doing this for 30 years uh, with us anyway, you know, you start to see kind of that different dogs, but you, you really become a specialist in, in the Belgian Malinois since that's what most, uh, most police agencies are going to. Is that just, can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, fortunately that my exposure has yeah. been that like, you know, for example, we just saw three police dogs yesterday. And so, yeah, majority of them are Malinois, but you know, obviously the German shepherds, the Dutch shepherds, and it's important for me as a veterinarian providing the services for these departments to understand the personalities and how those dogs are used. So, you know, yeah, you can have a, uh, a German shepherd, you know, they're, they're good dogs, but they, they tend to be kind of smart. You know, if they go into a room, uh, if they don't find anything, well, the next time they go in the room, they know there's nothing in there. They right. kind of give up. You're, you're a Belgian Malinois, a little bit higher drive. And then, of course, your street dogs can be your, your um, Dutch Shepherds, which, you know, sometimes I need that handler to be able to control that dog to be able to, to yeah. do a full examination. Yeah. <laughs> so because of that, yeah, I become uh, very knowledgeable in some of their very specific medical issues. You know, again, your German Shepherd's going to have more genetic issues, the hips, the back, right. elbows. Uh, I, like, I like my mouths because, yeah, they're very versatile, very um, uh, rugged. And they have less medical issues, allergies, like, you know, your German Shepherds have the allergies. These guys don't. And mm-hmm. so, again, that's ex- extra expense that's going to come out of the budget for the police department. Yeah. We've been getting some uh, some different dogs lately from the, for our, our crisis canines. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, 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 that, and you treat those dogs, We, we treat those guys. Chase. Right. Uh, Rocket. 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 And yep. Captain. Captain. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, there's, uh, and there's a new one. Yes. That they were uh, they were deciding Scottsdale Unified School District yesterday was working on deciding uh, picking from five different names what the new name the name of the new crisis canine is going to be and I think uh, what are those breeds? Uh, you know I think those are uh, doodles. Yes, there's yeah. there's some doodle. There's a uh, I think Chase is <laughs> Labrador. I think a some lab. are yeah one yeah. had lab and then other Labradoodles. Right, Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, uh, Golden Doodles. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've always joked with you guys when we went out to select dogs in California, on the way back, these guys would be saying, well, I think I'm going to name them Thunder or you know, <laughs> something like that. Or, like it, right. Yeah, and it's like, okay, if you're going to change the name of the dog, I think the rule should be we should also change the name of the officer. Right. So, <laughs> just, just to avoid confusion for the pet right. thing, or the canine. So, the, uh, so, Chief, the really interesting thing is the uh, education and the classes that doc puts on uh, and the Valley canine agencies do uh, an officer survival seminar up in Prescott every year. And they've started incorporating doc into the scenario. So they'll do a, a down dog or an injured dog doc shows up and says, okay, where's your medical kit and what wow. do you do? 
So in, in times of stress, then that's how we, again, figure out what to do with the dogs. And so, um, but even before, even now with, uh, there's an active robot dog. Uh, diesel uh, yeah. that was donated by Circle K. Okay. Uh, excellent uh, learning tool. So like, for example, when I went out to Yuma to teach uh, a basic class as well as uh, SWAT EMT, <laughs> gosh, back then we had to utilize uh, some of the, their own personal canines in order to or your dog or my dog yeah right and so uh it, it's a lot different when you're trying to to bandage a real dog or you're trying to put a catheter in or uh, teaching the swat emts how to intubate wow uh, you, you have to have real life experience yeah. well this dog helps to replace that this dog is uh is great it bleeds to the point where uh the owners or the handlers have to put a tourniquet on uh it barks it growls so if they forget to put a medical muzzle on the dog, uh, we remind the officers that we don't want you to become a second casualty here. The dog's going to turn around and bite you. Even if he loves you, he is still potentially going to bite you if he hurts. So we teach all the basic skills through this whole process. And the nice thing with this is uh, with this scenario we were doing up in uh, uh, Prescott this last week is uh, we were putting the pressure on these officers saying, okay, here's all the stuff we taught you, how to fix a broken leg or stabilize so you can transport it to the emergency facility. And, oh, by the way, you have three minutes to put that bandage on starting right now. I mean, he's going to have yeah. to move this dog because he's right in a, an area that there may be gunfire or a hostile environment. So he needs to move this dog, and he needs to move it quickly. So, yes, we put the extra pressure on. But That's amazing. You know, we, we have really transitioned over the last two decades into reality-based training for our officers and downed officer rescue and not treating downed officers. And, and so it's just amazing, you know, that we have the, the, the robot dog, Diesel, to, to do that type of that level of training and really put the pressure on. That's, that's reality-based training, I think, at, at its finest. It, and it, it is. It's phenomenal training because then it, it does – uh, translate into helping our community if, if we find a down dog in the neighborhood or um, on the 101 right we have the medical kit and we can we can assist so the other thing is is I think it's important to you know why do we go to this expense why do we do all these things for these dogs and it's because we have a lot of time and money invested in in the dogs I mean this is a very valuable piece of equipment so very much so I mean People may not realize that just purchasing one of these dogs, we're talking about a, a shits and train dog that's uh, got some of the basics in there, but right. not fine soon, $13,000. Yeah. Just so, for the dog. Right. Yeah. So, yes, it's important for me when I see these dogs right. to do a post-purchase exam, make sure they're structurally solid, they don't have any kind of medical issues, and then... We basically will go from that point on. Then all the training that the officers have to put in. I mean, every Wednesday night, four hours of training. Right. That's that's a financial amount that the department is putting into these dogs. Yep. So we we got to keep these dogs in the fight for as long as we can, nine right. years right. if we can. And uh, and that's kind of where my role comes in. You know, it's just interesting, Chris, that you, you talk about, and I think, you know, have people who who – I think are getting a greater understanding of police canines. You use a you use the term you refer to them as a tool, right? And yes. and and uh, and Dr. Soboda talks about their their cost and that initial cost of thirteen thousand dollars. I think sometimes people bristle at the idea when we refer to a dog as a tool, but that's what they are. And, and so not it's not that they're for the, our listeners. It's not that they're 
they're not, I mean, they're extremely well taken care of. Uh, they got an amazing well. amount of training. Uh, they wind up being, uh, you know, largely as uh, like family members to our canine officers. So uh, they're treated amazing, but they are also an amazing tool. And they have been uh, since the dawn of man and warfare dogs have been, have been uh, used as tools. tools. Uh, and so they're an amazing tool for us. Um, in the Scottsdale Police Department and the law enforcement profession, but I know that you know people are like, oh, that's not that's a that's a that's a live animal. That's not your t-. It, no, it it is. It's a it's a, they enjoy the they yes. enjoy what they do. Yes, and, and even if I hire somebody to come and put a ceiling fan up, he's a tool for right. me because I couldn't do it. Yes. Right, and these dogs, it's like I can go through a window like that. Yeah, and so basically, uh, they enjoy doing what they're doing. Their tail is wagging. Yeah, when they're doing this kind of stuff. That's what, I mean, they're a working dog. They need a job. And, and, so. and we're supplying them with that job. Otherwise, you throw them in a cage and, oh, my God, they're just going to try to chew their way out, yes. break right. off every tooth. Yeah. So let's, let's put that in a positive light for the dog. Absolutely. Amazing right. animal, amazing uh, tool for us. And you, you just know we've, we, we get a lot, of, a lot of hate mail on occasion when we talk. And people see our dogs and who don't understand no, uh, exactly what they're doing. These dogs enjoy what they're yeah. doing. Yes. Well, and, and they should know that they're, and Chief, you talk about they're very well taken care of. You know, in our vehicles during the summer, uh, the AC is always on. We have uh, alarm systems. The officers now have on their phone, they can uh, look and see exactly what the temperature of the car is. Uh, if something happens with the vehicle, there's an alarm, uh, windows roll down. So, I mean, we take every precaution to, to keep them safe. Yeah, I'd argue that these are these are some of the, the happiest, um, best taken care of dogs uh, anywhere in the world. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we teach classes on uh, heat uh, injury. Right, heat uh, stroke. How, recognition of issues. So if you have a dog who's trying to... Um, ignore you while you're playing ball and all of a sudden he starts going off to, off to the side and laying down, he might be telling you that, hey, you're kind of pushing the limit here. I need yeah. to rest. I need to cool myself down. These guys are miniature swamp coolers. Right. So basically <laughs> we need to uh, teach these officers, and, and they're very good about it, recognitions. Hey, I put my dog up. Um, you know, Some of the departments, like uh, MCSO, we've actually put microchips into them so that they can quickly scan them. And uh, they can actually tell whether the dog is uh, overheating or not. Wow. Um, wow. And some of the things that I provide in my first aid lectures is that uh, a, a normal, healthy dog, sure, they can jack their temperature up to 106, 107. Border Patrol will do the same thing. Right. But a healthy dog without medical issues should be able to get that temperature back down when they're put into the vehicle within about 20 minutes. Okay. If they can't, then... Again, what I've instructed these officers, if, if the temperature is still high, let's say 40 minutes later, you need to bring them to me. There's some kind of mm -hmm. medical issue, whether mm -hmm. it be laryngeal paralysis or, or some type of a heart issue or something like that. And that has brought lots of dogs to my facility to early diagnosis of issues. We need to look into the chip issue. I know. That's, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, it's a, Home Again has a chip that, it's a new microchip. It basically, it gives you a microchip number, but it also conveniently has a temperature on it. Wow. And so you just wave a wand on it, and the dog will come up with a temperature. And that's you know awesome. Right away. That is. For the so, summer, I mean. Uh, yeah. 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 Because I think uh, these dogs will work until they, I mean, they'll the, go and go and go. They want to please. They want to please. So they they're they have they're so high drive that they just they'll ignore pain to get the job done, mm -hmm. and then 
you know, then when the job's done, then that's when they crash. Yeah. So we have to be careful about that. And, and we know with the high humidity we're having right now with the monsoons, mm -hmm. again, they're miniature swamp coolers. So how right. efficient is your swamp cooler right now with a 50% humidity? Not, Not very at all. Yeah, yeah. 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 So again, there's some of the things that we, we teach our officers. We wanted to take a small break to talk about the upcoming canine trials in October. For more info, here is Officer Sanborn. Hey everybody, it's Tony with the Canine Unit. We have the uh, Desert Dog Canine Trials and Public Safety Expo. We're going to be at Westworld again, October 22nd and 23rd. Uh, every canine unit in the Valley will be participating, so there's plenty of opportunity to cheer on their favorite city. Besides, you know, Doc coming out to all the trainings and the officer survival seminars and, and just doing that, he's also uh, the lead in our uh, Desert Dog Canine Trials, which will be in October. Uh, up at Westworld. So again, uh, he's up there making sure that all the dogs are safe and if they get injured, it takes care of them. And that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, this is kind of nice that we're going to be indoors versus like yes. when we were out at Goodyear and yeah. it was like 90 degrees. And right. in that situation, we run the dogs out for the scenario, bring them back in and immediately put them in kiddie pool to try to cool them down. Yeah. And, and that year we had zero problems because again, we recognized what the problems were going to be and then we're proactive instead of reactive to the whole thing. So. I do I do laugh because one year <laughs> at the competitions, uh, my dog Havoc, great dog, yeah. uh, had an injury, and so Doc uh, gave him gave him some medicine and stitched him up, and I went back out on the field, and uh, and he won that that event. Of course, everybody. I'm thought, still getting grief from that yeah. from all the other officers. Right. They, they think <laughs> they think Doc did something to him. So he doped yeah. him. Exactly. Yeah. Blood doping. He well, did. So. My theory was is that with one of the medications, it's kind of a pain medication, <laughs> yeah. and he was he had lower anxiety, yes. so he performed better. Right. Uh, of course, the officer was still able to detect it. Havoc was a very interesting dog. When mm -hmm. I would bring him in to Doc, I we either have to do the exam in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. or I'd have to hold him because he was not happy. He was not happy about yeah. it. I'll tell you, Westworld, though, uh, and the canine competition being yeah. on at Westworld uh, last year, and now it's going to be yeah. there this year, uh, what a great location. Yeah. Yeah. Massive indoor area, you know, air AC, conditioned. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's the perfect location in the for, uh, for the canine competition, so excited to see that again this year. And, and uh, you know, kudos to uh, our city manager because he really helped facilitate that so you yeah. know we we thank him for that and, excellent and, shout out to jim thompson yeah City and, and good, good job chris good job yeah and westworld and too. westworld yeah love those love them up yeah, there so absolutely you know chris kind of raised an interesting point on on havoc is that havoc had a certain personality and uh, I'm kind of one of those guys that don't give me problems give me solutions and so right. we actually came up with ways of dealing with some of these difficult dogs that uh, maybe just one person oriented and so one of them was picking the dog up uh, lifting up, up off the, the floor and then I could do the examination yeah. I could draw blood I could do things like that I do have several dogs out there that uh, are just one handler type of dogs and we have to come up with a protocol mm -hmm. to be able to safely handle those and uh, some officers will actually write down the protocol in their cell phone and that way if they are forced to go to an emergency facilities because of uh, an injury they can yeah. hand that to yeah. the uh, the doctor and say, this is what works. If you follow what Dr. Svoboda says, you will not get injured. Wow. So. And that and kudos to your staff, too, because uh, they do a good job as well. And so dealing with these dogs. That, that's a good transition. Let's maybe yeah. talk about at least one other person on your staff. It yeah. sounds like uh, <laughs> your, your son is... Uh, 
your son is following in your footsteps. Yes, uh, it, it's it's a great thing. You know, everybody's yeah. like, um, do you really want to work with your son? And, right. and uh, <laughs> uh, he's my boss now, basically. But, <laughs> okay. uh, uh, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's great because one of the things that has always been a problem for me is what happens when I retire? Right, right, right. Because seriously, I mean, part of my reason I get up every morning and come to work is to actually work with the police dogs. Right. And so, uh, uh, this is a, he's my succession basically. That's great. And I feel very good that the police departments and uh, everything will be taken care of when I, because, uh, he's, he's been there with me. He's listened to everything I say, um, how I question the officers, knowing how the dogs are deployed Mm -hmm. and everything. And so that's that's an invaluable experience that uh, just a common veterinarian would never be exposed to. And I remember uh, I remember Ryan, uh, Doctor Ryan, uh, coming out before you know to our trainings before he went to college, and was out there. And then uh, he's also came to uh, my last buying trip uh, down to Adlerhurst in California, and actually he helped us get Hannah, which is was one of our phenomenal dogs, and so. Uh, because of Dr. Ryan, uh, they they gave him Hannah to us because they were going to give him to a different agency. Yeah. So, yeah, thank Plus, you, Ryan. He, he's grown up with it. I mean, he's at, I'm sure just you know over the 30 years and the stories you've come home and, and interacting with you and I mean it has to have just uh, made such an impact on him. He said, you know, I want to be I want to be like my dad. That's that's but, super cool. And the interesting thing is that uh, you now kind of stand back and you go, wow, this, he is actually a very good veterinarian yeah, and he yeah. thinks very well, uh, through processes and stuff. So, um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a great, uh, uh, succession. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Taking so. care of a whole new generation of police dogs. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah, that's. exactly. Um, so the, I guess we have a couple questions. Uh, a lot of people ask, you know, with these movies that are coming out, uh, dog and and some other stuff is are Belgian Malinois good pets for a family? I'm I, I would my quick answer would be no. You know, I, or, or you really need to do your research on these dogs. Yes, it, it depends on your um, your skill level with right. training of dogs. This is not a, like a golden retriever where I can throw them in the backyard and he'll raise himself and he'll still be a good dog. And I can trust he's not going to bite the kids or anything like that. You need to have almost like a sergeant type of mentality of, of sit, stay down, come kind right. of thing. This dog needs structure. He, he thrives on that. He, he's not, he's not, if you don't give him structure, you may not like how he's going to train you. Right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the other thing is, is that, you know, I, I, I have a, um, uh, kind of a, she's a flunky from um, uh, search and rescue. She's okay. a, a, a lab crossed with a Dutch shepherd and wow. uh, sweetest dog in the world. But right. that breeding program didn't work because the Dutch shepherd part of it uh, made the dogs uh, a little bit higher drive and would actually go up the lead and bite the handlers. Wow. And these are handlers that are not accustomed to biting dogs because right. they've been around golden retrievers and labs and things like that. And so when I adopted her, it was kind of like, well, you know, if she bites the grandkids or anything like that, uh, I can't have this. Right. right. And she did turn out to be the sweetest dog in the world, and she's a great running companion with me. So right. I love that. But, um, you know, she was destructive initially, and 
people. I, I did some of the training myself. And I'm not going to be saying I'm an expert here. I actually uh, ended up doing a trade of services with a, um, a, a people that kind of know these dogs. Right. And she came back a totally new dog. And so, matter of fact, when we run, I don't even have to put a leash on her. She wow. is right there by my knee. But that's that's a success story. Right. But it took a lot of work, a lot of money, so to speak, if you call the trade of services and right. things. Right. And so... I usually will tell people that, uh, you know, you want to be careful about that. Um, they're, it's it's they're, like having a Ferrari to go get your groceries. Right. You know, do you really need that? <laughs> That's great. Uh, but uh, we, on my dog, Betty, we have this, um, it's called the whistle. It basically tracks how much activity she does for the day. And this is that I can do an eight-mile run with and then come back. It's the first thing in the morning, and the next thing you know, she's running all day long, and she can have well over 240 minutes, so four hours of activity. Wow. Do you have that much time to wear this dog out Correct. in your day? Is, is where I'm going. Right, with. right. So You know, that I think that's a great transition into a question because we, it, you see people, I think, get the wrong dog all the time. And so what is the one piece of advice you can give uh, to pet owners about A, selecting a, a pet or dog, and B, then their health care moving forward? Well, selecting the dogs, you know, there's some of the basic things that we'll talk about. You know, again, you, it's what, what do you want this dog for? Do you mm-hmm. want something to show off a dog? That's probably not the best thing to do. It's something that you want to research out. What, what's your family situation? Are you going to have grandkids coming right. over? You want something that you can trust. You know, sometimes, sometimes a gun is like, or I mean, a dog is like a gun on the coffee table. And so do you trust everybody to leave that gun alone or would you like to have something that it's going to be a little bit more trustable mm-hmm. right. so you want to be careful about that kind of thing but you can do certain things like um, like when my daughter was selecting a great dane uh, i went in there and i was taking all these puppies i'd roll them on their back i'd be touching their feet i'd be opening their mouth i want a dog that's going to be allowing me to do all that thing. right and you know you can sometimes take these uh Belgian Malinois, you can try to do that, and all they want to do is nip at your fingers. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and do you feel like you have enough skill level to train that out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at how much time do I have, how much skill do I have, and then you're looking at, is this really the right dog for me? Would right. I rather have a cuddly little uh, golden retriever that I could wrap around and, right. and do our things? Okay. And so, uh, And then as far as like... Um, Medical advice. Right. Uh, I sometimes have to fall back on what we do for the police departments. Uh, one of our assets is that we, we do annual exams on these dogs. Right. And we make recommendations of doing all this preventative care, and that kind of helps keeping these dogs out of trouble. There have been some of the departments that have decided to come to see me, and their veterinarian would be like, well, we don't need to run these particular tests unless there are clinical signs. And so what I do is I run, it's called a desert disease profile. Right. We, we run for like valley fever, tick fever, mm-hmm. things like that. You'd be surprised how many of these police dogs come up positive from year to year for valley fever. Right. And so we're catching that stuff. I mean, would you rather catch the grape juice dripping on your white carpet early right. or after the whole <laughs> picture is on there? That's right. So that's... That's been kind of the magic. I, you know, we had one department come over and, and nobody was being tested. We tested them. Three of those dogs were positive for valley fever, and that was just percolating very slowly to the point where it gets so bad, we're going to have to retire this asset and start all over again. Right. Versus, no, I catch it now, 
we're going to start them on medications and hopefully drive it out. Yeah, that's great. So that's even great. even Chris's dog right now. Yeah. So I I I do have a personal Malinois, and it's my second, and uh, boy, they take a lot of time. But uh, yeah, uh, thank God for Doc because uh, it had got bit by a rattlesnake and got valley fever, and uh, so but we're treating it and. Uh, yeah. And so, prognosis is going to be pretty good. Yeah. But most people would just kind of go, well, you just probably just got hip dysplasia right. or something like that. Right. So. This but is it, really interesting, Chris. I'm just going to point out as a side note, our listeners don't know all the, the, the disaster that your microphone's been here at right. the show today <laughs> and, and the wiring and the microphone <laughs> itself. And Steve, you know, our technical, uh, technical advisor, you know, right. had to, had to fix everything. And now then I hear about you, I hear about your dog, you know, right. bit by a rattlesnake and Valley fever. Right. Maybe it's just me. There's a common denominator here. Right. Me. It's you. Right. It's me. <laughs> it, it, it's me. Sorry. I just but, had to. but you have to say that the training that you picked up in my yes. class. Yes. Allowed him to react appropriately. Thank God for you, doc. Otherwise Chris would be a total disaster. That's I right. Be. So it was, it was a uh, very uh, complimentary to doc is when I brought my dog in and I'm like, I know my dog has Valley fever and, and your staff uh, was like, well, how do you know that? I mean, how do you, you didn't do an x-ray. And I'm like, I know because doc taught me. <laughs> sure enough, we did an x-ray and doc's like, you're absolutely right. And I'm like, I've that before. Absolutely <laughs> <right>. Thank you, <laughs> Doc. I appreciate yeah. that. So, That's great. So <laughs> my son's thinking about hiring him. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> so. so you're you're an avid runner. I am. Yeah, I, I see I that in, in in your bio and all yeah. that. So did you catch that? He's like, yeah, an eight mile run. Yeah, it's I want on a short. Yeah. I want on a short eight mile run. Right. I do it at for a five the, minute mile pace. Right. I do it for the dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's. She, I mean, you know, when you get that cold nose that kind of wakes you up in the morning, saying you're going to run today, right? I mean, you're not taking a day off. How, how and, many marathons have you run? Marathons only two. Okay. So I've done the Chicago, and I've also done uh, uh, PF Chang Rock and Roll here in in uh, yeah, Arizona. Good trying to get into new york city and and all that other business but right. um uh, because it's on a lottery yes i didn't oh, get it again yeah, this yeah. year so but you've yeah. run and 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 your son too have run a bunch of races yep yeah I, if if i was i kind of at one time i looked back to i think 2011 from 2011 to today uh, I've run over 135 races. Wow. So, and all those include like, you know, the, the two marathons, tons of uh, half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks, mud races. Uh, we do several uh, triathlons. Uh, so it's I mean, all kind of dabbled in all those different areas. Do you have a favorite distance or favorite race that you like? <sighs> favorite distance? I really kind of like the half marathon. Yeah. Uh, marathons are a little tough, but uh, like I said, I save myself for those uh, when I get the name ones. Yeah. But the half, I really love those. You know, the, my most favorite, my most favorite was uh, the Jack and Jill half marathon at Seattle, Washington. Uh, wow. That's where I got wow. my PR of 138 and uh, loved 138. it. 138. 138. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, but, but Doc's one. Uh, a lot of races for your age group. I have, and yeah. and uh, I'm about to move into the next age group, oh. which I'm looking forward to because I figure what's if the I next, what's the next age oh, group? Gosh. You can dominate. Yeah, 65 on, but uh, wow. But basically, uh, I I've always told people that um, uh, I'm a winner because I'm outliving my competition. <laughs> so. That's great. One of the one of the uh, Doc and I did a, a run together with dogs, and it was yeah, uh, that was fun. That was fun. It was yeah. kind of like a a uh, Spartan, my, um, mud race, yep. uh, 
And so, but, but we also did some training with the officers. Yes. It was kind of a team building thing. Yeah. So, so yeah. what, uh, are you running every day? Do you take any days off and what's your, what's your, what's your daily mileage that you're doing? Well, you know, right now probably between three and four miles, um, uh, like every other day. And then weekends is a long yeah. run that we go up to six to eight. Okay. Uh, that's going to be escalating as I get closer to, uh, the, the marathon time. So right now it's kind of a maintenance with this high temperature that yeah. we're running into. Yeah. And I also have to be real careful talk, bringing it back to the Their dogs. dogs yeah. Um, you know, again, Betty's a swamp cooler here, so I've got to make sure that, uh, I'm not overextending it. Yeah. We get up at uh, five o'clock in the morning yep. to, to get our run done. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, like I said, the weekends are the long, long runs. So that's great. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, then, so I, I'll do that like every other day, four times a week, basically. And then I'll interject um, just to kind of keep my edge on if I'm going to do a triathlon. I uh, got my swimming, like 2,000 yard swim. And then, uh, bicycling periodically you doing a pool swim or are you doing uh yeah i go i go to eos and, yeah, and do EOS a little and bit swim their pool. Yeah. yeah swim back and forth back and forth, back <laughs> and forth. but it, it's fun to go out to like uh, Suora lake and and yeah. just swim open water swim so you great. did one uh, down in tempe didn't you swim in tempe town lake uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, w- I was not one of the bodies they pulled out so. <laughs> it's like a giant toilet bowl yeah yeah you just don't you get past it you just get past it and you go so so well, Doc, thanks for being with us today and, uh, and joining us on the show. I, I, I learned a lot, you know, and I, I've been in this organization. I started 28 years ago, and fortunately I have great, great uh, friends like Chris who, who kind of clue me in on, on uh, our canines and our dogs. I, I, but I, I learned a lot. I I'm, 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 have never been a very, uh, a, a, like a dog, an animal person, and, and so I'm, I'm always fascinated to learn more and more about what, uh, what our, our canine companions can do and so really thank you for being on the show today thank you for inviting me guys yeah thank you and thank you for everything that you do for for all the valley agencies yeah to our listeners thanks for uh being with us again we'll have another great uh great guest next month as well uh until that time uh, make sure we take care of each other we're a lot of i know i talk about the end of every program a lot of crazy going on out there a lot of a lot of crimes, a lot of violence. Just make sure uh, heads on a swivel. You're taking care of one another and be uh, be diligent uh, of your surroundings. And uh, send us questions. Let us know uh, what you're thinking, and uh, and we'll answer those every chance we get. So uh, every day offers us each the opportunity to be more in the service of one another. So uh, do great things, and we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening in to Shop Talk episode 12. We hope you enjoyed hearing about Dr. Savota. He's a great guy and we're so lucky to have him caring for our dogs. Is there something you'd like to ask Chief Walther? Send it to us on any of our social media pages at Scottsdale PD, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and we'll get him to answer it on a future episode. We look forward to bringing you another great episode next month. Until then, remember to be more.